Hello and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Solutions Project, the podcast where we get to know health industry innovators who are working to improve cost, quality, and health outcomes and enhance patient and clinician satisfaction. I'm Don Siemens, and today I'm joined by someone who has been at the forefront of the evolution of healthcare IT, Ken Bradbury. Ken, welcome to the Healthcare Solutions Project. Oh, thank you, Don. Great to be here. Ken is the Senior Vice President and Chief Technology Officer at the HCI Group. Ken is a seasoned technologist with more than 25 years of experience, focusing on creating and sustaining innovative healthcare analytics, automation, IT, architectural, and technical solutions, and product offerings for healthcare provider organizations. Now, Ken, I always like to dig into why people chose healthcare, and I find your story fascinating. Where did you get your start in high tech? Well, I started my, my technical career in the U.S. Navy and um, uh, started working on some of the first shipboard systems that uh, were available. Um, and uh, like anything military, you have a great acronym, and mine was SNAP2, which is Shipboard hmm. uh, Non-Tactical Automated Data Processor, wow. and uh, which is a JCL-based you know, Harris mainframe. And uh, so I started uh, working um, really on um, operating that environment, and I was primarily for supply chain on board the ship. Uh, but it was my first um, kind of um, contact with, uh, with mainframes as a, and computers as a, uh, you know, a 19-year-old uh, sailor. And um, when I uh, left service, um, I actually returned back to uh, my, um, my home in, uh, in, in Michigan. And one of my good friends was a um, computer operator at Oakwood Healthcare System in Dearborn, Michigan. Hmm. And um, he was about to take off for the Air Force. And um, he recommended me, being a great friend that he was, uh, to um, take his position as a computer operator there at the hospital. So um, I started working on 43, IBM 4381 mainframes and uh, doing um, all the um, uh, computer operator tasks, um, you know, uh, ripping green bar and uh, Putting patient census lists into uh, physicians' mailboxes and the uh, physician lounge, and all the um, great back when they called it data processing. Right. Um, so uh, I had uh, just an incredible uh, luck to have joined uh, healthcare IT at a time when it was really going to do some tremendous transitioning as uh, healthcare started to look at um, how that technology could help them operate their health system uh can't say it was quite clinical at the time because we were still doing paper records mm. um but uh, we had a lot of our billing systems and uh supply and materials management that sort of thing which mm. uh, uh we managed and uh, so uh, so yeah that's how i got my start and uh, i just started uh, to you know to just snowball from there into new things Ken, it seems like you're a true believer in the power of technology to transform healthcare. You've actually seen it happen. Really, I did, and uh, it was a privilege. Um, you know, and as we um, started looking at how can we improve healthcare, how can we improve the operation of the hospital, and part of that was um, uh, around uh, revenue cycle, um, patient accounting, satellite billing. Um, we looked at new ways of uh, uh, bringing multiple hospitals together. So some of the first kind of IDN type functions like uh, common patient identifiers across multiple healthcare uh, 
um, settings or hospital settings. So um, we're doing some of that very early at Oakwood. Um, and uh, they, they were our, our CEO at the time had some great uh, vision uh, as where technology could take us. And uh, I was privileged to be part of that. So that was, and, and you really, you learn very early when you're starting your career in healthcare IT, you become, you really feel you, and you feel like you're a caregiver, you know, and uh, yeah. you know, obviously we're supporting the, the clinical teams and the physicians and, um, but you really become part of that hospital and, and those are your patients right alongside the, the clinicians and nurses and the doctors that are, um, you know, that are doing the great work that they do. Um, it, it was, uh, it's been a privilege to, um, to serve them and uh, to bring new technology uh, that can truly help, uh, you know, help them do their job. And, uh, you know, and, and that's what uh, technology is all about. It's about enabling, it's about um, bringing the best um, insight and information so that um, we can apply it to the best care possible. And I think that's a wonderful thing about our health system. Um, you know, all the works, you know, obviously, you know, we, we understand it with uh, expense and, you know, high cost, but uh, we really do have a tremendous healthcare system within this country. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have said ever since I've been in healthcare, and I started in materials management, you mentioned that. I remember working on AS400s to order things, and I remember really feeling like I had a role to play as just a little clerk that was stocking the shelves, right? Um, healthcare is a mission-driven enterprise, and the people who are in it are in it because they they buy into the mission. Let's talk a little bit about how you transitioned away from health systems and into the the current role that you're playing today. Well, it's really been an evolution, and. Um, uh... Uh, no, it's funny you bring up your materials management. That reminds me of systems like MacCon, um, which uh, is our big materials management system and uh, we've heard 400 based, but um, uh, but anyway, well, brings back memories. But, <laughs> For sure. Um, as part of the healthcare, um, kind of a, a, the staff at Oakwood, uh, again, we had some very visionary um, uh, leaders at that time. And um, they decided that, well, we don't want IT to be a cost center any longer. Um, let's make it a profit center. So we um, did a joint um, you know, um, initiative with CompuWare at the time, which was a, a Michigan-based uh, te- yeah. technical technology company. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows CompuWare. Uh, Pete Carmanos, uh, built a great company, great uh, um, Michigan uh, business. Yeah. And, um, uh, and some of the local uh, health systems, Detroit Medical Center, and uh, we actually built a company called Care Tech Solutions, which um, uh, turned into a pretty successful um, uh, IT company. Uh, um, so that, that was um, built out of um, basically my IT department uh, that uh, we um, um, you know, designed this, kind of call it outsourcing company that would be a, a service, be a, a provider to Oakwood. Mm. Uh, and also uh, be part of Detroit Medical Center and CompuWare provide the technology and uh, and the um, uh, staffing uh, resources and in some cases some infrastructure resources. And the idea is that we would go out and start addressing the market um, with the idea that well, a lot of health systems have the same problem Oakland would have where we had data centers just filling up with client server systems. 
And um, with the idea that we would go and build a data center and we would uh, start going after these big contracts, uh, you know, competing with at the time um, ACS, uh, which was a big player in um, you know, CSC and others at the time. Um, and uh, forget there's a lot that uh, those companies aren't around anymore, but right. um, that we did compete with. But uh, what we found was what I found personally was that when you have equity owners running a company and I think they're out of that structure now. I think they were purchased by a new company uh, um, a few years ago. But at the time they were equity owned and um, which basically meant that you had health systems that were constantly fighting uh, over um, who's going to give up their infrastructure for you know the leveraged service that you're trying to build to mm-hmm. bring in these new customers. And they could never come up with an answer to that. <laughs> and CompuWare was always kind of in the middle trying to manage it. Um, so uh, what I found is that this wasn't a great, you know, I wasn't going to get to where I wanted to go career-wise and, and get into the technology I wanted. My uh, uh, mentor and uh, just a great... Uh, a uh, person that uh, really started my career, her name's Nancy, uh, her last name, but um, so I haven't asked her permission. <laughs> right, <laughs> But exactly. uh, she, uh, she really was a, a wonderful um, uh, mentor for me, and she brought me over to a company called Superior Consulting Company. And um, and I can't say Rich's name because I'm a superior for healthcare, but Rich Halpy, who is, again, just a tremendous leader and, um, and a great mentor. Um became part of his company and helped with um, um, building the uh, infrastructure um, services uh, and uh, and Superior solved the future and, and invested in a data center there in Dearborn, Michigan. Hmm. Uh, we built a very successful outsourcing managed services data center uh, and, and um, started to uh, do exactly what, um, you know, um, we envisioned earlier was, you know, go after those hospital systems that, um, uh, you know, that had that problem with just, uh, just uh, overflow of servers and servers under desks and servers in closets, and, right. you know, basement, uh, you know, uh, what used to be data processing mm. is now, um, you know, now turning into IT. Um, and, uh, and all these things have to be available now because now I've got, um, you know, some physician groups that are, you know, I'm doing a store and forward for them. I'm doing different types of, um, you know, compute services. And now they're becoming essential part of healthcare. Not quite, again, we're still paper record here. It's before meaningful use. But we're very much, um, uh, you know, becoming an essential part of hospital operations. Mm-hmm. So you, you being in the, in the basement next to the mail room and the morgue, um, you know, uh, wasn't quite working out anymore because mm-hmm. we needed more space and, you know, we had uh, had a lot more um, strategic value. Uh, and that, as I started to see that, that evolve, that technology evolve and, and being more strategic for hospitals, um, that's why I, I really felt that the infrastructure managed services were, were going to be just incredibly important in the future. Um, so built a, a data center for a superior consultant that uh, I think at the peak we had about 11 or 12 hospitals uh, that were fully outsourced out of that location. And we had about uh, 10, 15,000 square feet of data center space and um, very successful, very highly available. Um, uh, and so much so that we started to make a dent in the market and companies like affiliated computer services, which is 
was bought by Xerox and no longer exists, but um, uh, ACS um, saw us as well. If we can't beat them, let's buy them. Right. And um, Superior was acquired by uh, ACS, and uh, I became the CTO for ACS Healthcare Solutions, which brought me from as hospital staff into the main services provider uh, world, and then now into the big leagues with uh, with ACS. Um, um, it's some tremendous, um, just uh, very, uh, very smart, very professional people uh, that um, you know had a, a great footprint in the business process outsourcing uh, BPO market, had a little bit of their foot in the, the provider market, um, but now with Superior, they had uh, just a tremendous. Uh, um, brand and, and footprint that uh, allowed them to you know, really start growing um, in that space as well. Hmm. Um, so ended up in ACS and, uh, you know, um, long story short, ACS was, you know, very successful, both in the, not just in the healthcare provider, but across the BPO hmm. uh, marketplace and um, was uh, purchased by Xerox and the uh, Xerox uh, looking to leverage that great BPO capability uh, and mash that up with their uh, multifunction device and uh, um, uh, document management business. Um, and again, this is right about the cusp of meaningful use kicking off and everyone needing to get those paper records into mm -hmm. electronic. Well, wow, what a great opportunity. Xerox has got these multifunction devices where you can scan, you can fax, you can print, uh, you can copy. Uh, and they also have great, you know, APIs, uh, um, they call EIP interfaces, where now we could take our BPO tools in ACS, connect them to those multifunction devices, and now we're scanning paper records and we're getting them not only digitized, but we can get them inserted into medical records mm -hmm. or into, you know, so, um, common patient uh, repositories and warehouses and such. So there was a, you know, a market for that for a period of time. Uh, but it just starts communities in general. So. Your focus is managed services. You've been at it for decades. This managed services movement has been snowballing over the last decade from my perspective. Why do you think that is? And where do you see that managed services industry heading over the next decade? I think to get down to just the, the, the basics that keep the lights on cost of, of infrastructure is incredibly high. And it, uh, it really it, it, uh, consumes a large part of uh, a CIO's IT budget. And the more ways you can find to reduce that cost, but you also have the challenge of, well, yeah, I need to reduce cost, but my quality has to increase. Uh, and it has to continuously increase. If you're going to invest in a managed services provider, you don't want to just have it you know, status quo. You don't want to have, oh, it just, you know, they do as well as, as we did in the past. No, you, you want a provider that's going to come back and say, I can not only service this infrastructure, but I can make it better. I can modernize it. I can bring tools and process that are going to make it um, better, faster, less expensive. And I'm also going to put, put a, a program in place that's going to allow you to evolve that technology because technology changes so fast by, um, you know, switches in, 
routers and you know and platforms and such that um, you know frankly they they, they change uh, on a regular basis mm-hmm. and, and and have enough wisdom in the technology field to know that well yeah it changed but is it really going to make a difference do I really need to apply that technology here is it going to change my performance is it going to make me more secure is it going to keep me highly available um, you know, and, uh, and also with a focus on, you don't need to be on-prem anymore for many of these services. So how do you leverage public and private cloud services? How do you do that in a responsible way that allows you to take advantage of what is basically a, an, uh, an as-a-service function or a consumption-based function that allows you to only use what you need? In some cases, that works wonderfully. Some cases, depending on the maturity of the application platform, um, not quite there yet. Uh, so maybe I can just do a hybrid of, of that. So having the wisdom to say, well, oh, I can I can support your on-premise electronic medical record system, and I won't name names here, but mm-hmm. it's the big, uh, you know, the top two or three that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can put your disaster recovery in a cloud which means that instead of you paying for a secondary data center that has to be replicated and you have to manage it, and it, has to, it has to be secure. It also has to be tested on a regular basis because you, you have to be able to fail over to it. Mm. Well, if I put it up in the cloud for you, now I, ch- I changed that. Um, now I can, I can only spin up what you need to replicate. And then when you want to test or you have to declare a disaster, um, I spin up your full production. So you're only paying for it when you actually need it. Uh, so those types of technologies that uh, allow you to um, become more efficient um, and at the same time as the efficiency and the costs are, are being optimized, you're getting more capability. You've seen technology transform healthcare. If it will continue to do so, if technology will continue to transform healthcare, where do you think that transformation will come from? I think it'll come from the consumer. It's going to come from the demand that the patient has. They, they want to see their data. They want to have the ability to um, to have some control um, over their their healthcare, over their their, their experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes from uh, uh, the way technology has evolved. Um, um, you know, in the consumer market, it's uh, it's all about. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the Facebook experience, the, the LinkedIn experience, um, Twitter, uh, everything is, is, is there at your fingertips. And, uh, I mean, you can, you know, I can, I can order a pizza, you know, online, get a pizza here in 30 minutes. Uh, I can't do that with my own healthcare record. I have no, you know, no control over that. There's a lot of things that are just coming from those different industries that, um, you know, have a service, um, um, you know, requirement and, uh, and, and healthcare really has to transform into that. Uh, but it's not as simple as, uh, you know, as ordering a pizza. It's, it's definitely uh, more complex. There's interoperability, there's HIPAA security, um, you know, and uh, there is a, a focus that, you know, has to be around um, transforming or digital transformation that um, is, is going to change the way healthcare organizations operate. 
And uh, so I really see it, it, the, the driver is going to be very much a consumer. Um, you know, and uh, if, you're, if you're a patient, if you're a family member, um, you're going to be impacted by that. And if you're, you're able to get information from uh, dozens of other sources, so I'm going to go to WebMD, I'm going to go to all these different uh, um, uh, repositories of, of, of healthcare information, but I can't get my own information. Um, or I don't have a, a, a really efficient way of navigating uh, the healthcare organization that I'm that I'm getting services from. Mm. Uh, that's going to determine whether I go to that that hospital again. If I'm going to use these providers, uh, if I have a choice, I'm going to choose the ones that have that kind of um, capability. And that means if you want to attract those types of patients and you wanted to keep uh, keep them in your system. Um, you needed a healthcare digital transformation model that truly gets you there and um, a strategy and a service provider that can take you to that, um, you know, take you to that level. Having been in healthcare IT for going on 30 years, what do you believe should be on the mind of every healthcare IT leader? That's a great question. And, and I would say that, uh, what I think is first and foremost is, again, being in healthcare IT, you're very much financially driven. Um, it's, a, it's an unfortunate, but it's a reality that your cost and your budget and staying within your budget is really critical. Now, it's always, you know, we can always say, you know, wave the patient care, patient safety flag, and that's true for anyone in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm really being realistic, are my systems available? Are they secure? Am I going to get hacked today? Uh, do I know, do I have at least a, a, a you know, uh, an assurance that I have some control over that, that I have enough tools in place that I understand what my threat, you know, my, 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 my surface area is and everything associated with that. Um, uh, what are my costs? Am I staffed? Do I have the right skill sets? Do I have the right um, um, resources? Am I overstaffed? Um, you know, am I taking good care of my my team? Uh, are they getting the right amount of training? Are they able to respond um, within uh, the expected service level that uh, my my clinical team and my my leadership expect? Um, and ultimately do I have the budget to make that happen? And can I stay within that budget that, uh, you know, and and that's a challenge that I think is first and foremost, you know, can I do all those things that I need to do to be innovative and just to, to, but just to keep the lights on and hopefully have some innovation in there um, with the budget that I've been given. And uh, is it representative of the workload and the, the requirements of my health system to keep, you know, ultimately the, the health health system strategy, um, you know, um, aligned with the IT strategy. Hmm. Um, so that that's where I'm, where I think if I'm in healthcare IT leadership, and that's where a lot of the, um, the ICIOs that I work with, hmm. that's that's their challenge. That I I've got this number, or I've got how to hit. Ken, let's shift gears a bit because what's on the mind of everyone right now is the COVID-19 pandemic. How has the pandemic changed 
the calculus for healthcare IT leaders? It's changed everything. Um, we've got um, just our, our uh, ability to uh, to respond to these types of crisis and pandemic situations. Um, it really goes back. I think it's an opportunity to reflect back to see, well, when I didn't decide to go to a digital transformation model, mm -hmm. what decisions were I really, what, what was I making now that I'm, I'm in this situation because now a lot of those tools that could have been really tremendously effective and helpful. I don't have them. I don't have the, you know, and it goes not only from a patient care perspective, but uh, right now you've got a, a big push for remote workers. Mm. Everyone has to work from home. I'm working from home today. Um, I'll be working from home for a long time. Yeah. A lot of physicians, a lot of team members are looking for, well, I need a laptop. Um, I need um, I need resources so I can work from home. If you can't reach into your system and look at your inventory to say, well, how many laptops do we have? Um, you know, so if I don't have a strong asset management system, I don't have a strong configuration management database. Um, you really now, you're, you're having to answer a lot of questions that you don't have the answers to because you don't have the processes, the, the systems in place early or, you know, or that they weren't adopted. Um, so now I don't have that insight. I have to go and send somebody to count them or I have to take a guess or I just don't know. I have to go order more um, and spend more money that maybe I've already invested and already spent. So now I'm spending more money. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so those tools and, uh, and services that could have um, positioned you for the unthinkable, um, you know, these types of disaster scenarios uh, now become very important. And uh, so I think that's, um, if I'm an IT leader, that's one thing that I probably would keep me up at night and has kept me up at night is that, am I prepared? I mean, I've been through, you know, I've been through Sandy, I've been through Katrina, I've mm -hmm. been through the 2003 Northeast blackout where half the United States went dark because of uh, electrical um you know, uh, power channel, you know, um, outage. Um, so, um, you know, so I've been through a lot of these types of disasters and, and seen a lot of the uh, uh, results of that. Um, will, will this one finally be the, the, um, the catalyst? The, okay, now we know we need to do this because of this situation. Because I didn't see that happening after, you know, we had some changes. We had some changes after Katrina. We had some changes after Sandy. We had some changes after these, you know, major um, you know, weather events. Um, but um, to the extent that uh, it truly changed the way we were delivering services, uh, that hasn't changed a lot. And um, if we learned anything out of COVID-19, it's that we do need to evolve. Uh, that technology can truly change our response to these types of pandemic situations, these types of um, you know global crisis that um, can help us get to the other side, um, you know, in a better state with healthier patients, with um, healthier healthcare systems. So, um, so this is a big question. And if I'm an <laughs> IT leader, those are all the things that are weighing on you. It's yeah, am I making sure. the right technical decisions or right? decisions and and do i have the ability to execute when times are good you know preparing for those those scenarios that um you know you really um, um you hope you're ready for 
Uh, and, and some are ready, are, are more equipped than others. But uh, I, can, I can tell there's going to be a lot of lessons learned coming mm. out of this event. I think you're right. You know, we try to focus on three areas on this podcast, lowering costs, improving quality, increasing satisfaction. And it seems to me that managed services are really focused on cost first and foremost. And at least that's, that's the reason why your, your clients are coming to you. Help, help me minimize the cost that I'm incurring through my IT spend. You've implemented managed services into scores of hospitals and health systems. How has this helped them decrease costs? The idea behind um, a managed service is that you're going to give that managed services provider the responsibility for that tower or that function, be it service desk, field support, hmm. facilities, data center facilities, um, you know, any of the IT administration areas. I've been had the responsibility to do that. In a, with a competitive price, with service levels that reflect the needs of your organization. So I'm going to respond in a certain time frame for certain events. I'm going to have availability um, for, for the infrastructure, the applications that I'm supporting. You know, all of those those key um, performance and um, service level requirements. So it's on it's on the managed services provider to do that. So the advantage is that you're going to get that service. We're going to go and, and not only are we at risk because of potential of losing revenue through service credits if we don't perform, but also the incentive to continuously improve. And we'll, if we hit goals, then there's an upside for, for us. And so it's a win-win situation if we're all operating at the peak level that we need to operate at all the time within healthcare. Can I believe that to improve healthcare, we need lots of solutions working together to lower cost and improve quality and increase satisfaction. But if you could wave a magic wand and change something about healthcare today, what would that be? Um, well, me personally, um, and especially with, uh, with my family, uh, uh, I would, I'd wave that wand and I'd eliminate medical errors. Um, mm-hmm. And, and how do you do that? Well, through clinical data, through precision medicine, through the, the leverage of insight that you gain, that we still don't do a great job of, 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 of harvesting and, and using um, as uh, insight to ensure that you're making good decisions for the care of that patient. Yeah, for real. Um, and that can go um, from normal day-to-day um, primary care to um, patients in the ICU that now have um, many different um, conditions that uh, uh, in combination could lead to, um, you know, a, a degrade in their state. And uh, uh, so how do, you, how do you use that data in a way that can be predictive so that I can look at uh, a patient and, and look at their data and, and, and this is not only the data coming from the devices that maybe they're, mm-hmm. they're being monitored by, but it could come from their genomic data. It could come from, you know, all of the different telemetry that you're getting uh, from that patient, from their history in combination, um, you know, from their chronic care conditions or chronic conditions. 
and their, their kind of care that they've received, um, the medication history, um, their behavior, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, be it, uh, you know, um, you know, the choices that they've made or the, um, the, the, the current, um, you know, medication that they happen to be on, if they're bipolar, if they've got certain tendencies. So all that, all that information that is out there that, you know, if you could bring it together and the, and provide that insight into what that person really is, what's their, what's their state and with all those seven perspectives, can I make better decisions? Can that physician, can that care team make better decisions with that information? Great question. And, uh, um, so yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to wave a magical honor on a lot of things <laughs> that would change, uh, change way healthcare. Well, maybe in a related fashion, what difference do you hope to make personally with what you can do? That's a great question. And that's one that I'm, I'm always, um, the bar always seems to move. Because uh, just when I think I'm getting close, um, uh, I move the bar farther away. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, and, and, and part of that said uh, from my, my academic pursuits that is, you know, as far as bringing new knowledge and new um, uh, rethinking to our industry, um, um, bringing uh, innovation closer to, uh, to our healthcare providers, where it's less about um, what they've always done but how do I how do I bring them closer to uh, to innovative solutions? So we I've done a lot of talks on 5G and what does that mean um, to healthcare? Um, and from every angle, from first responders to um, home care situations, like for instance with our COVID-19 situation, telehealth is now really important, uh, and uh, we're we had a really tough time getting adoption on uh, some of the telehealth solutions that I've done in the past uh, with Xerox and others. Um, I just didn't quite understand it. Why can't I just go to my doctor? And, uh, he's right there. I've always done it. Mm-hmm. You know, why do I need to sit in front of my computer? Um, how do I bring that, that innovation closer to say, no, this is, this is better um, because now you can stay home. And especially in this situation where now I don't, you know, with uh, social distancing, um, I'm, um, I, I'm now safe and I can get, you know, advice from my doctor. I can get prescriptions. I can get what I need. Um, but that technology has to work. And, and part of what I really hope in the future I can bring is more clarity as to how to implement that technology and why that's important. And, and as we put our use cases together and, you know, and whatever the next, you know, um, you know, global event might be, hopefully we don't have another, but, you know, it's probably not the case. It'll happen again in some way, shape or form. Um, you know, how can I take what we've learned, what I've learned and, you know, in, in all the great people that I get to interact with within the HCI group that are just uh, tremendous thought leaders and, uh, you know, from both from, uh, you know, the keeping the lights on infrastructure folks to really um, um, clinical and, and, you know, and leaders that uh, have led large organizations. And how can I take 
that knowledge and apply it to these types of challenges and, and, and come out on the other side with some really insightful and useful information that can help influence and can help change um, strategies in, in, in a good way. So, um, but the bar keeps moving. So I might say something next year that's different. <laughs> it's always in that same kind of, you know, um, I'm always reaching to for the next thing. And uh, that's why this industry has been so exciting. And it's been a blessing having a, a career within healthcare IT. Well, thank you so much for all the work you've done and what you're continuing to do. And thanks so much for taking the time to meet with us today. How can our listeners get in touch with you to learn more about HCI and about managed services? Well, you can always go to our website at uh, www.thehcigroup.com. Um, I can be reached on uh, LinkedIn, uh, just Kenneth uh, Bradbury at the HCI Group, or on Twitter at KenCTO, which is my Twitter handle. Uh, and of course, uh, my email address, which is ken.bradbury at thcigroup.com. Fantastic, Ken. Thanks so much for your time. 